Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is July 14th, and our reading comes from Romans chapter 2. Now, yesterday at the end of chapter 1, Paul is addressing the Gentiles. They've rejected God. They've suppressed the truth. Therefore, they're living in darkness, and their lives are characterized by bondage and sexual immorality and this rage that is spreading through culture. Well, in chapter 2, he turns his attention to the Jews. And I think the idea here is, and this is a challenge for us as Christians in America, it's easy for us to look at our world and to be pretty judgmental, to be pretty critical, and to lose sight of where God has brought us from and what's still true in our hearts. So Paul basically says to these Jewish believers, listen, before you get too judgmental about the Gentiles, let's look at our own hearts. Watch what he says, beginning in verse 1. He says, you may think you can condemn those people, but you're just as bad, and you have no excuse. Remember, they're the people of God. They've got thousands of years of history with God. They've got the Old Testament scriptures. They've got the prophets, right? And so Paul says, you're condemning and criticizing and judging the Gentiles because of the way they live, and yet you have had God all these years, and yet you've rejected him. You've rejected the prophets. You've rejected the word. You do the same things. And once again, that's also true in American culture. Uh, George Barna has done a lot of research through the years where he compares the ethics, the morality, the beliefs of Christians in America and unbelievers in America. And what he's discovered is they're basically the same. There's, there's almost no difference. That's exactly what Paul's getting at here. He's saying, you know, you've got the Word, and you've got church, and you've got Jesus, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and yet you're condemning the world, and you live the same way. You do the same things. Now, for most of us, we'd say, but when I look at the world, I don't do those terrible things. But then we have to remember, when Jesus came in Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, and he preached his sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, one of the big ideas in the Sermon on the Mount is it's not enough to just behave and keep these big rules when people are watching. Jesus says, I want your heart. And you remember over and over again, he says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And what was said was the basic minimum. How do we please people publicly? Jesus says, no, I don't want you to, to just scrape by doing the basic minimum. I want your heart. I want you to serve me and serve people from your heart. So for example, he says, it's not enough to not kill people. So if you've kept the commandment, thou shalt not kill well, Jesus says, I want more. I don't want you to hate even your enemy. So he raises the standard. 
So again, Paul would say, when you look at your life, you might say, well, I've never killed anybody, but yet you hate your brother or you hate the Gentile world or you hate that guy at work or you hate your neighbor, right? Or you hate somebody that's different from you in some way. And Paul would say, you don't have any excuse for that. In fact, you've got to remember that just as God has been so patient and so kind and so gracious with you, we should be patient and kind and gracious with others. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Don't this mean anything to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Man, look at your own life. Look at how kind, how gracious, how patient, how merciful, how generous God has been with you. You know, when I take time to think about that myself, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. God has been so faithful, even when I was unfaithful. God has been so kind and merciful, so patient all these years, so patient, continuing to be patient. And he says, I love that verse in verse four. In fact, my translation that I prefer says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Remember, repentance means to change direction. And all of us have a natural desire for independence, but because of what Christ has done, because of the mercy, the kindness, the goodness of God, we have a desire for dependence. We're turning away from our life of independence described at the end of chapter one, and we're turning back to God into a life of dependence, into a blessed life. Now, this is important because not only does God judge the world, when they reject and suppress the truth. Currently, you remember yesterday, he judges the world today by giving us our independence and the fruit of our independence. Darkness, bondage, sexual immorality, rage. We saw that yesterday. But in addition to that, there's also a coming judgment. In verse 5, he says, a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. So one day, we must all stand before God. And in verse 11, he says, God doesn't show any favoritism. So that's true, whether I'm in the church or out of the church, whether I'm a Christian or a non-Christian, I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for my life. Now, here's the good news, and Paul's going to get to this later in the book. But because of our faith in Christ, when we stand before God, we're justified. We are innocent. We're covered in His righteousness. We're washed in His blood. We've been made righteous. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see that in chapter 5. But then he goes on in verse 12 to say this. This is interesting. He says, when the Gentiles sin, even though they've never heard the law, they're still guilty. Why? Because his law is written in their heart. When the Jews sin, they have the law. It's in verses 12 through 15. He just makes it clear for the Jew and the Gentile, for all of us, God has written his law in our hearts. And so we are without excuse. We will answer 
for how we responded to God's law. And remember, God's law was given to restrain sin and to point us to Jesus. And he's written that law in our heart. What do I mean by that? I mean, across all cultures, everybody knows that murder is wrong. Everybody knows that lying is wrong. Everybody knows that deceit is wrong. Now, a person might try to justify their sin, but at the end of the day, if we're honest, in our hearts, we know mistreating other people is wrong. God has written that in our hearts, and we're going to answer for that one day. And so all of that is designed to point us to Jesus. God wrote his law in our heart so that we will see our need for Jesus and turn to Christ in faith. Let me skip down to verse 23. He finally concludes this today's section by saying, you're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. He says, no wonder the scripture says, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. So here's the the final thought that Paul says. He's speaking again to the Jews here in this chapter. And he says, because you guys live just like the Gentiles, they are cursing God because of how you live. And I think one of the real challenges today in American culture, there's a lot of people who have rejected Jesus because they know too many Christians. What's the solution to that problem? The solution is we've got to be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus and begin doing what Jesus does so that when the world, the unbelieving world looks at our life, there's actually something different about us, something attractive, something appealing that draws them to Christ. We become the aroma, the fragrance of Christ. Instead of repelling people, we attract them to Jesus. What motivates us to draw near to God? It's remembering His kindness. So take some time today. Look back on your life at all the times that you have failed God, all the times that you've hurt people, and how merciful, how gracious, how patient, how gentle God has been with you. He's been so gentle and merciful to me. And it's His kindness that is leading me into this relationship that's drawing me to Him. And as I'm with him, I become like him. And then my life becomes a powerful witness to my world instead of pushing away, turning off, or becoming a barrier to my world. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we're so grateful, so grateful for your kindness. Lord, most of the people listening today, they've been in church for a while, and and they love you. But if all of us will examine our hearts, we know that we're far from perfect. But you've been so patient. You are so faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, you are so merciful and gracious towards us. And it's your kindness that is drawing us day after day, again and again, into your presence. And in your presence, you're transforming our heart and life. God, we're so grateful for that. Lord, we thank you for writing your law in our heart that helps us to see our need for a Savior, our need for forgiveness, our need for transformation. It turns us to Jesus. 
And so, God, finish the work in us that you've started. You've promised to do that. God, we open our hearts today. We're making space for you today to continue your work so that our life is not a barrier, but a powerful witness to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me again today. I hope this encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.